Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Randy Crabtree, co-founder and partner of TriMerit Specialty Tax Professionals. And he is a widely followed author, lecturer, podcast host for the accounting profession. Uh, five years ago, he had a stroke, struggled with depression. He called it melancholy. He found a therapist. Actually, he went through th three therapists, uh, which I'm sure Randy Crabtree will talk about. Um, and he struggled with suicidal ideation. He's here to share his story of uh, strength, courage, and hope with you today. Welcome to the podcast, Randy Crabtree. Welcome, brother. Thank you, Leo. I appreciate you having me here. So talk to me about the suicidal thoughts. What, what led up to that? We're just hopping right into it. Yep. Yeah. So, so actually technically the stroke was 10 years ago, but for five years I uh, struggled with depression, panic attacks, PTSD. Every time, you know, every time something would happen inside my head or in my body, you feel a twinge, you feel dizzy, you feel lightheaded. I'm about to die and I'm about to die and then panic attacks and then depression and everything. And it just went, it just was, in, it went crazy. Now it wasn't nonstop. You know, there was times where I felt pretty good. And then there was times where I would just, like you said, I called it, I told my wife, you know, that I was having issues and the, and the issues were, I never said depression. The issues were like you said, I would tell her I'm having this melancholy feeling again and then I'd go sit in this one spot in my house, and that was my melancholy place. And I'd just sit there and overthink everything. And and the biggest fear that I got is I never I felt that I wasn't in control of myself anymore. My brain had taken over, and and my brain was starting to tell me things that scared the heck out of me. And it I I was fearful. The biggest thing and why I ended up reaching out for help from counselors is that I I was like, well, I'm starting to feel like, what's the point? You know, I'm going to die anyway. So, you know, what's the point to keep on living? I never felt that I got to the point where I thought that suicide was an option, but I got to the point where I was afraid my head was going to say that that was the option because what's the point? And so that that scared me so much that that's when I decide I can't do this on my own. I can't, I'm, I have to find somebody that's going to help me figure out what's going on inside my head. You, you know, talk to me about talking to your wife. Yep. And, and the reason why is, you know, we get married, we say, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life. I want to, you know, thick and thin all the things. And yet, there was a struggle for you, a challenge for you to let her all the way in. You know, you told about the melancholy, but you, yep. but what was, what was that? What was the space between melancholy and depression that you struggled with? Yeah, I, I think it was just lying to myself. I'm like, I, I, depression wasn't even a, a thing that came into my head. It's like, well, I can't be depressed. Look at what I have. I have it so good that this can't be depression. It has to be some kind of, of post-stroke effect. My brain obviously must have gone through some changes. And I'm as a side note, I am like 
the poster child of what a stroke survivor should want to be. I no physical deficits at all. So from that standpoint, that I didn't have to deal with. I was I was back to normal within a month, and all I really had within a couple of days was numbness. So so from that standpoint, I had fully recovered very quickly. Um, but the mental part was was the issue, and so for me, it was like I mean, look at I, I've got this thriving business. My family is awesome. I have two great kids that are just both about to start college. One was in college. The other was in the senior year of high school. You know, uh, my wife, who at the time we'd been married already almost 30 years, I think it was 28, 29 years at that point. And, and so I, I wanted to try to let her know what was going on, but it can't be depression. That can't be what it is. And so I was lying to myself and, and I don't think it was necessarily trying to hide it from her because I think it's so important when you're going through something like that to be open. But if I look back, I was lying to all of us. It was depression. I know it was. And it was, it took me until I recovered. I never used the word depression. Never until looking back, you know, years later, I was like, okay, that was depression. How did I not know that? Yeah, because depression is not a word that most people talk about, one. And, and two, I think it's, it's hard to even recognize it. Like, am I stressed? Am I burnt out? You go, am I just being lazy? Mm-hmm. Am I, you know, am I, I got to be a man? You know, like you, you have all these different voices yep. go through your head, I'd imagine. Right, Randy? Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it, it was like, it can't, like I just said, it can't be depression because I have it so great. I mean, sure, I had a stroke, but look at me. I am like even even from a stroke survivor i have a great and so how can this be um but then it just it just it got to a point where you know i can't i can't control my thoughts and that's just not right and so it is something deeper than just some post stroke effect it has to be because i can't keep going this way there has to be some way to get out of this there has to be some way to retrain my brain not to think this way and there's also this idea of you know you you keep coming back to this idea of i have it so good i'm yeah. married i have kids i have a career i have my have a roof where i got i'm eating organic kale broccoli right yep, i know it. my neighbors i drive yep. a, a, a an electric vehicle you know i don't know if you drive that i before. don't but but, I, <laughs> but that's an option down but, the road but, but my kids are healthy they're going to college you know like yep. i'm i'm firing on all cylinders right it's got to be something else it's got to be something else and that's that's where the that's where the counselors came in that's where it was like okay it's it's time. It's time. I can't do this by myself. And it's time. So before we get into the therapy part, yeah. what led up to the stroke? Because, you know, I watched your your video on burnout and yep. work. Talk to us about what led up to this moment. Yeah. So so the so the stroke, again, it's almost 10 years ago now, nine years ago, we had I had started a new business and I'm my people would probably call me a serial entrepreneur, even though I can't say the word entrepreneur. There we go. Um, and so we were about six years into this newest business and we were on a steady climb. I mean, we were growing very rapidly and it got to a point where I knew the, the rapid growth was about the skyrocket growth. Just, you know, we do tax stuff. It's it's Congress had made some changes and I knew this was going to go through the roof. And I honestly look back at that and I think, 
I don't feel that I was equipped to manage that growth. And that took me a long time to, to recognize that too. But I'm thinking that that stress of realizing that I'm not the person. I was managing partner. I started the firm. I I have to be doing everything at this firm. I have to be in, in control. And it took me a long time to realize, and it wasn't even until after the stroke, even years, a few years after the stroke, that this is not, I don't have to do everything. I can I can step down from this leadership role, but I think there's a good chance, and you'll never know for sure, but there's a good chance that the stress of thinking all that contributed to my stroke. Um, I, I, I hesitate to say that that for sure, but stress can definitely help affect the stroke. I also had a hole in my heart that no one knew about, and that hole, they think, is probably a contributing factor as well. Um, and so, but I think that stress and looking back at it now, realizing that I knew I wasn't equipped. I, I'm great at starting businesses. I'm great at getting businesses growing. I suck at the managing of the business, the KPIs, the processes, the procedures. And it took me a long time to realize that, but I'm sure that stress had a big effect on the stroke. And then my outside of work, you know, stress of recovering from a stroke and the mental part I was dealing with combined with the stress of trying to grow this, you know, or not trying to manage this growth really probably all overall created this, this whole mindset of, of depression to me. So it wasn't obviously just the stroke in my mind. It was both work and the stroke that ended up causing the, the, uh, the depression in the long run. You know, you said something that was so beautiful. You said a couple of things that are beautiful. One is you talked about, I'm not equipped. I didn't feel like I was equipped to manage the growth. We, there's so much talk about growth mindset. You know, I think, I forget, Carol Dweck or something. Yep. Talked about growth and now everybody's feeling like we got to grow and what are your numbers going to be next year, five years, 10 years. So we have this idea that our business should be growing, our lives should be growing, our, our, our followers on social media should be growing. And we never ask ourselves like, what's our cap? Yeah. Like what's our, what's our out here? You know, like I think about bank robbery movies, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you <laughs> like bank robbery, like the heist or. Yep. He, yep. And it, it was like a gang of like four guys that, that, that do these right. And the, at least in the fun ones. And there's always one guy. Who they 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 go in with a number. They go in saying, "Listen, we're gonna go in, grab five mil, get out. We got bags for five mil." And there's one guy that goes, "We can grab another mil. <laughs> we got time." And yeah. and the, and a boss goes, "No, no, we don't. We we came for five. We're taking five. And he goes, "No, no, we got time for." And it's in that that time that they take mm -hmm. to get that extra mil. The cops show up. Yep. It's a shootout. They have to hold hostages. People die. Collateral damage. Yep. And we as individuals don't give ourselves a number. Right? No. But no. Nope. But but the other thing you said though was beautiful is you recognize that self-awareness. We talk so much about self-awareness. I'm not the guy to see a business all the way through. I'm the guy that comes in to start the business. Years ago, I watched a video on a guy talk about he's a serial entrepreneur and he goes, I love to start businesses. I hate running them. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing to be aware of. 
now you can move fast and and be light. What did that feel like? That moment where you not only realized it but accepted it? Because some people know it, they don't want to accept it. Yep, it was. A, it was a, actually. It wasn't like an instant. It was a slower process. It was like okay, first it was six years ago. Um, while I was at the end of the depression, realized I can't manage this firm anymore. Um, and my partner took it over. And honestly, looking back, he is super equipped for this role. He should have been doing it all along. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, at least I made that first decision. That's not my role anymore. Then the decision was, what is my role? And I and I kind of struggled a little bit for a while trying to figure out what what am I doing here? What is this business? Do, do I even want to keep doing this business? And then I just kind of did a whole, what do I enjoy doing? You know, let's 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 go back to what what do I have passions for? What where's my talents and my passions kind of intersect? And let's figure out if there's a role for me doing that. And what I realized is the what I enjoyed the most, and I had done this from day one, is education. I go out and I educate on tax credits and incentives, and I always liked that. Um, and so just kind of changed the world of let's just let's just be doing more of that. Let's add a podcast where we're talking about things that are going to help the accounting profession. I'm not talking taxes and audits and all that. We're just talking about how people run their practice. Let's talk about that. Let's go out and speak at conferences, at events, be a guest on on podcast. Uh, just go out and meet really interesting people. And honestly, what it evolved into is just I'm the face of the company. People people see me out there. They know I'm with Trimerit. And man, I don't feel like I work a day. I mean, nothing I do feels like work because it's so fun. It's it's just enjoyment. And so it was a it was a little bit of a slow process going from yes, the recognition to finding that new role and that passion. But man, it is a blast. Yeah, I read a book, Strength Finders. I don't know if you've heard of it by Tom Rath. And he yeah, yeah, helped, I think so. And that book really helped me to figure out what my passions, values, uh, where they lie and, and you know how to move forward quickly. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I did start this podcast. And but but I love that you said, where do my passions and values intersect? Yep. Right. And my talents is like, what do I care about? What am I capable of? And uh, you know, what am I, you know, what willing to do? And, mm -hmm. and how do we how do we execute on that? Um, what was there any other was there anything else that kind of helped you tap into what drives you what truly drives you what really gets you out of bed in the morning yeah it was it was not just me it was other people i think seeing it in me and so i didn't come up with the idea of the podcast someone else did and and they said hey we're gonna start a podcast i'm like okay great i think that's a good idea you're gonna host it what i'm not hosting a podcast what are you talking about they go no you'd be great at it you you love talking to people and i said well, if I start a podcast, I am not talking technical tax and technical accounting. That'll bore everybody to death. I do not want that. And then I start thinking, like I said, I get to go out and I've met so many interesting people and they all have stories. It's like, let's just tell those stories on the podcast. And most of them are around the accounting profession, obviously. But there's people just doing such amazing things defining their own success, not following cookie cutter. Hey, it's been done this way 80 years, so I have to do it this way. 
they're pivoting, they're change agents, they're making our profession better, they're finding ways where people can work less, make more, avoid burnout, have the lives that they dream of having, which is not, nobody dreams of sitting at their desk 80 hours a week, and, and at least I don't think so. And so I get to meet all these people that have found ways to, to integrate uh, unbelievably strong work-life balance into what they're doing. And, and that's the kind of stories we get to share. So other people seeing it in me really helped me find the the passions that uh, that uh, I guess they saw that I would enjoy. And, and then I found out I enjoyed it as well. Did you feel like your parents were able to have their passions, values, and skills intersect in what they did? You know what? That's a great question because I've thought about that before. So, so my dad, um, I mean, my parents and they're, I'm very fortunate. They're still around. Um, uh, my dad's 84, 83 now. My mom's in the uh, late seventies. Um, and they were so family oriented to the point where I don't think they were able to do follow the dreams that they had. I know my dad in the back of his mind always wanted to be an entrepreneur. He always wanted to have his own business, but family safety, you know, that, you know, security, financial security came first to him. And so he kind of put that in the back burner. And so I think that's one reason where, where I got the passion for starting businesses was from knowing that his dream was never fulfilled at least that's the way i looked at it and honestly the 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 values and the work ethic and everything they installed in us i mean we we've we've um for all four of the kids my siblings have all started their own business at some point in their life and i think that was trying to kind of fulfill the the dreams that he had that's beautiful. So uh, moving forward again, you, you talked about therapy and going to therapy and yep. Um, and I read in your <laughs> watching your uh, one of your webinars, you talked about how you went to see three different therapists, which is why I always encourage my listeners and, and people that I know don't wait until you need a therapist to find a therapist because yep. you know sometimes it could be too late, right? Like yep. if things are going great. Look for them now because it could take months, even years to find one that takes your insurance, that works with your schedule, that you like, that likes you. Like yep. there's so many boxes that have to be checked. Talk to us about your process, you know, the, from the first therapist, the second, the third. And, you know, yep. What that look like? Yeah. And to me, it's a pretty interesting story. So I, when I made the decision, I actually remember making the decision that I need to see a therapist. It was building up, but I was actually in the office and I'm like, all right, I have to figure this out. Cause I was probably starting the melancholy feeling depression was kicking in while I was sitting in the office. So I just started Google searching who out there deals with people that are having mental struggles that have are stroke survivors. And I thought there has to be specific you know, for someone like me. And I didn't find anything really specific, but it was like, okay, somebody that's dealt with some maybe medical issues. We we talk about that. They were all generalist, it, it felt like. But this one woman, I, I reached out to her. We had some sessions and great, great person. Really think she's, she's awesome. But for me, so just as a side note, accountants in general, and a lot of professionals are this way, but, but 
we have this mindset. We want to help everybody. We have the answers. We have the solutions. We're going to solve the problems you have. And so her response to me was, well, Randy, you can't control this. So if you can't control it, don't worry about it. Just stop worrying about it. I'm like, what? I'm I'm a CPA. I control things. That's what we do. Are you telling me I'm not in charge of this? Um, and in reality, she was right, but it was the wrong methodology for me. And so I just decided I had to see someone else. I honestly, I know I saw three counselors. I do not remember anything about the second one. I do not know why. I, Unless I made this up in my mind, I saw I saw a, a second, but boom, blank, blankness there. And then, uh, and then I, I realized whatever, I must've realized that one wasn't going to work. So I found this third one. And there was just something about her. And it was only about three sessions in. And she's just talking. We're just having conversations. She's kind of putting these ideas in my head that, man, look how good you have it. Kind of like I was saying before. We talk about family. We talk about work. We talk about, you know, we 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 have vacation all the time, all this stuff. And one day after I think it was just our third session, and I don't know what kind of mojo she did, but I'm home, tell my wife, I'm starting to have the feelings again. And I went up to, it was basically a spot. There's a surround on our bathtub and our master bathroom. I would just sit there. I don't know why that was my spot, but I would go sit there and I'm sitting there. And then I just started thinking, you know what? I can make the decision that this isn't going to be how I feel. I And I, I stood up and I looked at myself in the mirror and I I I, I honestly don't normally swear I swore, I looked at myself and I said, F you, you're not real. Get out of my head. I am not listening to you anymore. And I just kept chanting that F you, you're not real. Get out of my head. I'm not listening to you anymore. And it just, now it'll sound like all of a sudden this change happened. It was a five-year process. But then that just changed my mindset that like, I can control the way I think. I can't control if I have another stroke. I mean, I can work out, I can eat healthy, I can do all that, but it's still, you know, I can't guarantee it, but I can guarantee if I want, I can change the way I'm thinking right now. And and obviously not everybody can do that with chemical imbalances and other things, but for me, it was this point where I could just make that decision and I got pissed at my brain and just started yelling at it and boom, you know, within a month, I don't think there was any more feelings of melancholy depression, obviously. Now, you know, I'm a nerd, so I need <laughs> to know how many times you said it. Yep. How, how many days in a row? Like, I need reps. I need. Yeah. I, I need all the things. Yeah, I, I would say that reps. Yes, sets and reps. I'm going to I'm going to have to estimate here on sets and reps. Um, But I would say that first time. It was probably five times that I just kept saying it. And I'm looking at myself. I'm like, come on, you can do this. You're in charge. And just kept saying it. And then if I ever started an inkling of a melancholy feeling, it was immediate. I didn't have to go up there. I didn't have to look in the mirror. I just, I would just say, you know, uh, I don't know if you're clean rating or not. Can I use the word? <laughs> I, I'm uh, F you. And again, I don't do it. F you. You're not real. Get out of my head. And I would just say that. And and I have a friend of mine. I'm writing a, a book right now. And she says, you have to title your book. F you get out of my head. Um, and I'm thinking that's not bad, but it was. So let's go with it. 
let's say it was happening every other day. Boom. I would just do it once or twice then. And then it just started. Then it was every week. And then I would say it once or twice. And then it got to a point where, you know, it was a month in and, and it just didn't come back. And I've had like zero. I mean, I think a month ago I thought, Hey, something's happening. Nope. It's not. And that, and then really in five years, there's been nothing. And I'm so, so, so fortunate with that. It's just, uh, I, you know, again, not everybody, unfortunately, could probably do it that way because there's other reasons for depression. There's other chemical imbalances. There's schizophrenia. There's all these other things. But for me, I was able to at least take control back of my mind. What was the physical rehab like post-stroke? So that was, that was very fortunate as well. I, I, Honestly, when the stroke occurred, I lost the ability to speak and my whole left side went dead. I couldn't use my left side or very little control of my left side. By the time we got to the hospital, my speech had come back and I could move my left side. It was just really numb. My whole left side of my body was numb. And from a, from a rehab standpoint, I went home the next day. And I could walk and I could talk again, just numbness. And I was a little afraid that that was never going to go away. Um, actually, as a side note, the reason the depression probably happened and the panic attacks and the PTSD, because four days after the first stroke, I had a second stroke. Very, very minor. But again, you know, trouble speaking was the main uh, thing. Got to the hospital immediately, cleared up fast. Wasn't even sure it was a stroke, but they did an MRI or a, uh, yeah, MRI and they saw some additional dots. Um, but from a rehab standpoint, I didn't have to do anything from a physical standpoint because other than the numbness, everything was working. It was just a ton of follow-up doctor visits to figure out why, what, you know, what's going to happen again, what do we, or could it happen again? Ended up going through heart surgery to close the hole in the heart, um, which as a, to me, I find this a pretty cool story and I'm proud of it. I, I went through a clinical trial to close the hole in my heart because it was not an approved procedure for uh, reducing the reoccurrence of stroke. They didn't have enough data. So there I was one of 402 people in the in the country that went through this closure. And there was about another 200 that were kind of the te- the, you know, the placebo group. And within about two years after that surgery, this is a, it was approved by the FDA. So now this is an approved procedure to reduce the effect of, or the re, the potential recurrence of a stroke. And so I'm pretty happy that I feel like I've I've helped save lives uh, by going through this clinical trial. So it was pretty cool. Beautiful story. Were there any dietary changes you've had to make? Um, so the funny thing is, I'm I'm when I had the stroke. I was three, two months uh, post winning a fitness contest. So I was in the greatest shape of my life. I had just won this contest. You know, it was more of a, it wasn't like bodybuilding. It was more like body toning contest. And, and so I was just from a, from a a physical standpoint, I mean, I'm 30 pounds heavier than I was right now, then, which I got to fix that. But what happened after the stroke is, is, I have to start controlling everything. So for six months, at least every single thing I ate, I measured. And this was a mindset thing. This was like, okay, I got to take control of something. 
I would measure everything I ate. It would go on a scale. I would know how many ounces of this. I wouldn't drink any alcohol. But then I would, if I had a glass of wine, it was only four ounces because I knew that was 120 calories. And I want to stay under 2,000 calories every day. And I'm not eating anything with fat and 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 all these other things. And and so I just controlled that. Uh, I feel that I must. Uh, um, be a lot more comfortable now because I don't do that at all. I probably should, though. Has it changed the way you talk to your children about mental health or the way that they talk to you? I mean, has it opened up a, a line of dialogue that maybe wasn't there before? Yeah, so they know this, but we don't really get into it. They know I go out and talk about it all the time. They know that I, you know, I'm a big, you know, I get to speak. I mean, I get to speak in, in, areas that are not accounting anymore. I'm, I've got just got invited to a construction association to talk about burnout and mental health. I, I've, I've talked to a different couple different just entrepreneurial groups on this. And so they know that, um, but we, we really, they never, and I probably should be more open to just say, hey, this is just so you know, this is why I'm doing this. They know, but I haven't like, they probably haven't heard the whole story, which looking at it now, it, probably is not make sense for me not to tell them. I mean, I really should go deeper into it with them. And 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 because I can't just assume that they're great, that everything's perfect with them, because everybody has struggles at some point in time. And I want them to know that I'm available anytime. I think they do that, know that we're very close with our kids. They live nearby. Um, but I probably now you're making me think I got to I probably should have a deeper conversation with them. Uh, is there any part of your journey that we haven't discussed, Randy, that you think would be a benefit to the listeners? Yeah, I so I think we touched on most. The one thing, though, is that, I mean. I I even though I never got to that point that that I felt like that was the only option suicide unfortunately i i know some people that did get to that point and i'm very emotional so this may take a second but um i coached a lot of basketball um for years and uh one of the kids i coached a few years ago took his own life and and i'm like how why what how do we how could we prevent this what could what could what could have been different I have a really good friend who just this week, a good friend of hers, just on Monday, took her own life. And this is someone she's been trying to help with stuff for a long time. And and so it's just, it's, it's, I guess the bottom line is, and who am I to say what people are going through? But man, there's different answers. There's, that's not the solution, even if it feels like it's the only solution. And just seeing the devastation that she's going through right now is just so heartbreaking that, that man, I love the fact that you're highlighting this and that you're, you're showing people that there are other ways that this doesn't, this isn't the solution. And, and, and there is a, there is, can be light uh, at the end of this tunnel. And and for me personally, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that there was. Yeah. And, and I appreciate you sharing the, the pain that your friend is in. Cause I think sometimes when we think about ending our lives, we think that the people around us would be better off without us. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're not we're not really around to know how painful it is for them to, to yep. carry on. Yep. Oh, for sure. It is the, the, the devastation she is going through right now is just 
I mean, I cried multiple times this week, just knowing that, I mean, I told her, uh, I'll get on a plane tomorrow and fly out if you need me there. And, uh, um, and, and it's just, you know, having to deal with that is so tough. You know, last two questions, um, and you already touched on it with the, with the last share. Um, always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself. What would you say to them, Randy? There's so much beauty out there that, you know, reach out to somebody. I mean, if you have family available, do it, a friend available. If not, you always got, what is it, 988 that you can call and talk to somebody. So, so, so just reach out. People are there for you. People want you here. They want, they love you. They want to be part of what you're doing, you know, what you can be and, and help you to get there. So for me, it's just, you know, reach out to somebody, even if it's a stranger on a phone call, do it. I love that. And then last question, what are you looking forward to in the next 24 hours? Oh, the next 24 hours. Well, I wish you would have said the next 48 hours uh, because it would be the bears home opener. Um, but <laughs> um, I'm a big but, bears fan also from Chicago. Nice. nice. Well, that's great. The next 24 hours. I'm honestly, I'm honestly looking forward to laying down and getting some sleep. Uh, I was in the city last night uh, with a friend of mine. We own a bar together and we hadn't hung out together in years. I mean, honestly, we had it and we like, we have to just do this. We just have to drop everything and let's just schedule a night on the town, Randy and Chris. So uh, Chris is younger than me. Uh, I don't stay out till midnight and that's not even that late. Man, that was a late night for me, and I'm pretty tired right now. So getting some rest, but also the one of the biggest things that I'm looking forward to, other than the rest right now, is our, our son's 28th birthday is uh, in a couple days, and we're going out to celebrate that in a, well, a little more than 24 hours, but we're going out tomorrow night in the city in Chicago to celebrate his birthday. Right on, man. Thomas said happy birthday. Go Bears. Go Bears. <laughs> and, and thanks for being on the uh, podcast. Thank you listeners for tuning in. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you calling to get help, calling the 988 or any of the uh, 800 numbers that are listed in all the show notes. You can talk, chat, text. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thanks a lot, Randy. Thank you, Leo.